This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, it is a little after 8 o'clock. It is that fun time of the program every week when I get to talk to the Dirt Doctor. And uh, good morning, Howard Garrett. How are you? Good morning and uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. It just ended, I guess, and whatever you celebrate. Hope you're having a great one. Well, celebrating celebrating a nice time of year. It's just, uh, yep. it, it's kind of a, there's a dichotomy. There are a lot of really nice people out there who are really in a wonderful Christmas spirit, and there are some people behind the wheels of their cars that are aggressive and <laughs> Just in a bad mood constantly, I think. So I noticed that the last couple of days myself seem to be even worse. I guess people get behind and get all tensed up and stuff, but it's dangerous. Judy and I talked about it quite a bit. When you're at stop signs at red lights, you need to <laughs> look twice or three times because people are running red lights like crazy here. Oh, it's crazy. And the pedestrians, they're walking along with the phone up to their ear and not paying yep. any attention, just wandering yep. out into intersections and things. And, uh, and then to add to that, those stupid scooters are all <laughs> over the place here in <laughs> Dallas. Do you all have those? Too? Oh, do we ever have those things here? I, I hate to admit it. I'm I'm a good driver with a good driving record, and and when we were at the Portland uh, Far West Nursery Show, I almost took out a guy on a scooter, you know, zipping across in front of you, making an illegal turn in front of you, and uh, yep. you know, and then of course I'm the one that he shoots the bird at and everything else, and I'm thinking, hey dummy, <laughs> you know, we're we're both uh, a little uh, responsible here, but. I don't know. I, I have the pleasure of, uh, I'm the chief poinsettia delivery boy, and uh, I told somebody this week, the only person that gets more smiles than I do is Santa Claus, because uh, I literally cover this town from one end to the other, but man, I've I've seen a lot of things on the road the past week that just make you shake your head and realize how important it is to drive defensively. I tell you, it, it's it's not a good thing. There there have been several uh, reports and stories about, and some from doctors, uh, that the uh, incidence of uh, people having to be patched back up at the hospitals has risen sharply since those goofy scooters have been out there. <laughs> there are people getting hurt. Oh, there are. There are, and there are a lot of people hurting themselves. We had a, a lady in the nursery, and fortunately she was smiling about it, but she had the cast up almost to her knee. And I, of course, asked her if she did it skydiving in a, in a humorous vein, and she said no. She, she said, you know those scooters that are on the corner? She said, if you're, if you're over about 20 years old, don't even think about getting on one of those things. And then she smiled and said, especially if you've consumed a little alcohol. So <laughs> I, I'm sure there was quite a story there, but uh, I, golly, it's, uh, uh, there are people operating them. And there's no, you know, not to, not to get on a soapbox against these things, but it's so much, I guess, on the honor system. You're not supposed to ride them if you're not the proper age, and you're not supposed to ride them unless you have a helmet, and I have yet to see anybody with a helmet on on those things, and yeah. I know there are kids out there that, anyway, I, it's, I, I just, I, I'm just surprised that, 
you know, some the the criminal element just doesn't load up a truck with these and head for the border because they're they, literally they're out on street corners around all the major shopping areas, and I know they have a tracking device in them because I have a friend whose son makes his uh, spare money. He goes around and they give him addresses because apparently they send a signal and he goes around and picks them up and takes them back to the recharging station and they apparently pay him fairly well for it but it's a very interesting phenomenon and and all of a sudden there there are two companies uh out there doing it i don't know if dallas has one but we uh we saw two companies up in the northwest and we have two companies here in san antonio and uh there sure are a lot of those things out on the streets well, the bicycle thing was you know, a complete disaster and financial <laughs> failure, and I, I can't see how this is going to be any different. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. My daughter Logan, you know, she told she's done it one time, and she told me that, of course, like you mentioned a minute ago, what they did it was late at night after being partying for a while. You know, <laughs> worst time in the world to do it. Well, and uh, she's she won't again. I don't think she will. She's a kite surfer who probably has much better balance than most of us. And if she right. thinks they're dangerous, there should be a warning to everybody out there about those absolutely, things. Absolutely, absolutely. Very good. Well, we we were kind of proud yesterday. We got a big award at Shades of Green, and I don't know if Dallas does this or not. If uh, if not, you might mention it to some people. But they've started a uh, a program to recognize people that do a good job of recycling, and down here they're calling it San Antonio Reworks R E W O R K S. And uh, I don't even know how they found us, but they named us because we've always been good about recycling cardboard and pots and everything else. But uh, they named us uh, gold-level charter members, and we had a nice little ceremony and presentation and everything. But it's really a neat thing, and you and I talk all the time about trying to keep leaves off the curbs and keep uh, that sort of thing. But uh, it's just it's fun that they're actually working on recycling plastics and cardboard and things like that and keeping them out of the landfills and out of the waterways and uh we we felt very honored yesterday it was kind of fun that's great congratulations but, there uh, were a couple things i know we wanted to talk about gifts a little bit but a couple things i wanted to bring up on the oak wilt uh question that came up one yeah. thing that that uh i like to throw into the mix there is that cornmeal is very helpful but cornmeal won't do it by itself You've, you've got to have the uh, uh, the flare exposure to the most right. important part right. of the sick tree treatment, and, and you really need to do the entire sick tree treatment if you're going to stop oak wilt in its tracks. That's Cornmeal, right. as you know, is a wonderful tool, right. but uh, it's just part of the solution. That's And that's a really, really important thing to bring up. Uh, I guess the good thing is that most of the places down here that we're seeing oak wilt or out in uh just you know pasture land in places where we haven't had the stupidity of burying those root flares but you're right i do need to always remember that and uh and the whole sick tree treatment uh it's not gonna it's i mean even a healthy tree is going to be healthier if you do those things oh, it, it's amazing how good it is. all it is is the organic program on steroids it's, it's <laughs> just a beef type deal i saw something yesterday in my office that i wanted to pass on to you related to that we've got two Two growing real close together uh, hackberries that are, have been in bad shape for a long time back by the garage. Uh-huh. And a couple of years ago, you know, I did what I t- tell everybody else in the world to do. I, t- I took some soil off of the base uh, and exposed the flare. And I didn't even do a perfect job of it. I was playing around 
with uh, using different tools and exposed it probably half as well as I should. And I, it caught my eye yesterday that there's just a tiny, tiny little bit of, of mistletoe left in the trees, and it was there was a whole lot of it before I did the work. So the benefits range all over the place. The next news uh, newsletter and or uh, Dallas Morning News I'm going to do. In fact, I'm going to probably do more. I'm starting to do that, do kind of the same theme in both of them, just mm-hmm. a little more detail in the uh, newsletter. But uh, there's some ar- there's an arborist here in town that writes a regular newsletter, and uh, one of their articles caught my eye the other day saying that if your tree has ears, the fungus that that relates to has no solution. There's nothing you can do. Right. Boy, I get tired of hearing that kind of thing about <laughs> Rose rosette and oak wilt and oh, yeah. that too, because that's exactly what we had on the champion pecan tree in Weatherford that we cured. You mm-hmm. know? So it doesn't matter what you've got going on in the tree, and like you tell people, unless it's gone too far, unless the rot has just killed the root system already, it doesn't matter what you've got going on. You can you can uh, cure it with the sick tree treatment, and the most important step of the sick tree treatment is the is the flare exposure well and that's so true and there's you know i and um i'm not the arborist that you are but apparently there is a book out now and i've got to i've got to get the name of it again but it's a relatively scientific work on this concept of what they call compartmentalization and that's how these trees whether it's oak wilt whether it's uh hypoxylon, whether it's physical damage um how effective a tree can be at walling off this area of damage and that so many people uh you know go in and screw it up that a tree in a lot of cases can heal itself and one of the examples was that uh you know a tree has a cavity in it that's collecting water and the tree has dealt with that the tree has walled it off it's not creating a problem but some well-meaning but uh you know people with wrong knowledge go in and think i'm going to drill a hole in there and drain that water out and what they've done is broken through that protective layer that the tree had built and all of a sudden they've made the problem a whole lot worse rather than correcting it so um, two new wounds one on the yeah. outside of the cavity and one on the outside that's yeah. a horrible thing to do. we used to recommend doing that too, and and there are a lot of tree care companies that still do. So yep. anyway, it's just common sense. If you allow the tree to do it, it'll heal itself. That's what it, it's all about. You set up conditions where the tree can take care of itself, and and the, the uh, work is done. Well, you know, another call that you might not have heard that was pretty early this morning. I had somebody. Uh, uh, talking about you know how the squirrels will get out and just cut lots and lots and lots of little limbs off the tree and he was questioning why he had i think eight oak trees and only one of them were the squirrels attacking and something that you taught me is that the tree when it's stressed it's putting additional sugars into the sap and that to me that's just a red flag hey go look and see what else is bothering the tree because obviously something is making it more attractive to the squirrels and that's probably stress of one sort or another so i guess mistletoe is the same way if you're seeing a lot of mistletoe in a tree and uh then it's just that's just mother nature saying hey you better go go see what's wrong with this tree yeah, and in that case, we've seen 
and on a couple of different projects that the most significant thing to not omit in the, in the overall sick tree treatment is molasses. We've had some people uh, report that the main thing that they did or the first thing that they did was put out dry molasses real mm-hmm. heavily around the tree, and they said the mistletoe just turned brown, dried up, and went away. Isn't that interesting? But, it, it um, it's all related to what you were just saying. It's all related to the stress in the tree. And if the tree is stressed, it's going to be doing something that's a problem, and it will go away as soon as you eliminate the stress. Yeah. And sometimes the stress can be used planted the wrong tree in the, <laughs> in the wrong place. You know. Well, and that and the other thing that I that makes sense, but a lot of people don't think of is that people that drive or park that RV or park that big boat or whatever, the tires create so much more compaction, and everybody thinks, oh, it's it's the bulldozer or whatever this that does all the compacting, and they're real surprised to learn that 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 pickup is probably packing the soil more than uh, a bulldozer or some piece of equipment that's running on treads because on that that machine with treads it spreads the weight out to the point that it's not compacting soil nearly as much as that big old f-250 or whatever is sure lots of things that we just if we took time to think we might figure on on our own but we have to be reminded of and uh so I guess your column's pretty well received in Dallas. Uh, and I know they changed the day around on you, but you you get a fair amount of feedback from it. Yeah, more and more. I'm actually writing better columns, to tell you the truth. I used to just do a sloppy answer the question, several questions, real quick, and didn't didn't think about it too much. Now I have to actually compose a a column about one subject uh, at a time, and we're getting good. Good response. I got a whole lot of response about the one I wrote about poisonous plants, <laughs> toxic plants that we yeah. just did. Because a lot of people still think that poinsettia is is a toxic plant. And it's it, it it's fascinating. It was based on a, a kid that was at a mil uh, in a military family got sick, and the the story got reported somehow that he had eaten poinsettia, and that's how. Uh, he got sick, and it was uh, fake news. It was a real example of fake news. That's crazy. That, uh, set up the whole deal about poinsettias. <laughs> I did not know that, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Well, it's uh, you know we one other thing that uh, I was informed of this morning, or I learned. Uh, I'm real fortunate. I have some just like you to have some great people that call, but uh, a fellow who basically grows for his own roadside produce stand but is very scientific about it uh was informing me a bit about grafting tomatoes and uh have you ever grown any grafted tomatoes or know anything about them no not really not on purpose (laughs) (laughs) well it uh he was explaining to me that that they actually have some rootstocks and things like that and an interesting process that you go about i i never could see paying six dollars for you know the same tomato transplant i could get for a dollar or two but uh um he was talking about just the difference in growth the difference in production on some of these things and where he's doing it himself is not really that expensive but uh i i and we won't take all the time to talk about it but anyway it was uh it was just interesting to learn a little bit of the science and theory behind grafting tomatoes and uh and it's just fun always to learn something new 
Well, I wanted to get into uh, the uh, gift thing a little bit. Yeah. There, there's one category that I really, I'm going to do a, a newsletter and a, a Dallas Morning News column on this, too, because I didn't really realize that there is so much detail about it, and that's the tool called the Hori Knife, or uh-huh. Hori Hori Knife, which stands for Dig Dig in, uh, in Japanese. Okay. But it is it is the best tool you can you can have. It's just amazing how much um, how good it is for all kinds of things. It replaces trowels completely. It, uh-huh. it works better than any trowel that I've ever used. The the curve, the way the blade is designed, it's it's concave on one side and convex on the other side. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't know there were so many. The one that's the most common out there is called the Sun. Joe Hori Hori Garden Tool, and it's got a wooden handle. And I used to have one until one of my dogs ate the handle. Uh, that's the uh, <laughs> negative thing about it. It's the probably on the low end of the quality thing. Y'all uh-huh. have one, I, I noticed last time I was there in Shades of Green, that's a Fiskars right. uh, Hori Hori, and it's, it's really good, too. The ultimate one, though, is the one I've got that... Uh, I, Y'all probably don't have it. If you don't, you need to get it because long-term, it, it'll it be the one that people fall in love with the most. My pen is ready. It's called Bare Bones. Okay. It, it is real heavy. It's real high-quality steel. It's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit longer than any of the other quarry knives. And it uh, has a really pretty, well-shaped uh, grip. Uh, that is wooden, hmm. and the end of it is steel also. So pets would have a harder time <laughs> tearing it up than they did with the uh, less expensive one that's called the uh, uh, Sun Joe. But anyway, there are several others. There's about five or six that are in the high-quality category, and I'll do a, a story about all of them. But the, but the ultimate, it's called the Ultimate Tool for uh-huh. Bare Bones. They've got a lower price one. Uh, it's about $24 is their basic uh, hoary knife, and it's it's great, too, but the ultimate one is normally 50 bucks. Wow. But it, uh, it's usually on sale, I've noticed, for around 39 or 40 Well, like so many things, it's the quality of the steel and how they hold yeah. that edge. And, and it's interesting that, uh, you know, the hoary hoary, it sound, makes it sound basically like uh, something from Asia, but uh, I I know a really good butcher supply shop here in uh, in San Antonio called Rodriguez Butcher Supply, and we were talking about the steel, and they they are big into knives of all sorts. It really what you what you want it to do is how you make the choice. And he was saying that the German steel holds its edge so much better than the Japanese steel. Said so the Japanese steel, they can put a much sharper edge on it, but if you want something really, really durable, look for something that's got uh, some of the better European steel in it. And I don't know. Yeah, I would think that might tip. apply to the Hori Hori knives, but I don't know. Yeah, that's a good tip because one thing in the article uh, I was reading here that I hadn't even thought about that much, and I and noticed it on mine because I've cut my hand with it. Mine yep. has a real sharp edge, and... And a lot of people don't think that that's part of the usefulness of the tool, but it is. You can even cut uh, things with it and use it as a pruning tool to a, to a degree. Well, and when you're... It's a, it's a fascinating tool. I just, I love it. Uh, the guys 
come over and work here and help me plant things. They're always trying to talk me out of mine when <laughs> plant some new annuals or something because it's so much easier to plant with than a, than a trowel. Some of the blades are stainless steel. Some are regular steel. Like you're saying, the steel quality varies all over the place. Yeah. There is at least uh, a couple of lines of, of products. One's called Rogue, and the other I forget the name of, of long tools, hose, and various kinds of things that are made from uh, old plowshares. Yes, uh-huh. And th- that's real high-quality steel yeah. also. They, they hold up really well. And one thing you might, you might mention in your article, too, that I, I'm surprised how many people don't know that is that people that want to sharpen, resharpen their own tools – Always use a whetstone. Don't ever use a grinding wheel. I, everybody's got a grinding wheel. Says, "Oh, I can stick something on there and sharpen it in a hurry." And anything you do in that creates heat's going to ruin the temper on that steel and ruin the yeah. knife. So if you need to sharpen it, you know, get a good whetstone at the time you get your tool. And anyway, that's one thing. The other thing um, uh, we can talk about books and uh, art and all that stuff if we have time but another thing that's that is, would be an unusual gift if you have people that are interested in their health and most most of us are you know you could give them uh just a, a tip rather than a than a gift in a box or you could put it in a box i guess say this little exercise program from dr zach bush uh-huh recommend that to your friends do it yourself i have not been able to discipline myself enough to do it three times a day i do it usually once and then forget it the other two times get busy doing other things but you really should do it three times a day it it doesn't take but about four minutes it's very short Uh and uh all you gotta do is go to uh go online to dr zach bush exercise okay and he shows how to do it real quick. It's very, very simple. Logan and Bo have gotten into it, uh, and uh, Judy's doing it some. Everybody that I've uh, gotten to start it. What it does is releases nitric oxide in mm-hmm. your body yeah. very efficiently. Interesting. You don't, have, you don't have to take nitric oxide. You can just do this simple program. I do it in conjunction with a joint exercise program that I developed myself. I need to do a video of it and a newsletter and show everybody the, the whole thing. But when I play golf with these guys that are anywhere from 30 to t- five years <laughs> younger than me, I'm the oldest one by far. I'm the only one that doesn't complain about being sore and wow. you know, having problems. And all it is is just is just keeping some movement there, yep. you know, yep. on a regular basis. It's the first thing I do in the morning. But this little uh, Zach Bush thing, as far as being more uh, of a health benefit, it's even uh, better, and it's simpler and uh, very short. Well, you know, the original research on the nitric oxide actually won a Nobel Prize. That's That's how good it is, and that's how recognized it is and i know there are lots of different products but if you get in your body to do it naturally i mean that's the best of all worlds absolutely after you get through doing this thing and basically you'll see it when you look at it basically it's a little simple knee bend and it's raising your arms uh-huh. uh, out in front of you and then it's taking them over your head and then it's doing them straight up and that's it that's the whole program so it can and help even an old marine feel better 
<laughs> yeah, when when you get through, you're, you're, you you put your arms down and you can just feel the tingling in your whole body. It's really cool. I've been looking forward to, to taking a look at that. Anything else on the top of your list? We'll just take a little extra time this morning. It'll just mean a um <laughs> a little more little more commercials in the last few minutes but anything else that uh that you feel like is just something new and different that uh people would like to know about well i i have to throw in if people uh take a look at the books online the, oh yeah uh, my art which is building and building and uh uh the uh, uh organic club of america and to help support several ways there that you can go that aren't very costly and can help the Texas Organic Research Center quite a bit. And I think if you're not involved in all that, you'd get uh, get something out of it. Well, and plus you get the tax benefits. You are 401c3, so people can deduct um, what they donate to talk. And it's just, you know, it's just a lot of good causes out there, but I can't think of anything better than uh, than something like Torque. And so uh, um, I hope people will go to dirtdoctor.com and learn more and and we'll do more of that well and there's, there's just a lot of good gifts you talk about it all the time just in general at the garden centers i think it's something that people don't think of a lot of times when they're uh in the gift buying mode uh, they go to you know the malls and things like that but i think the garden centers especially like the great place you and roberta have is just the absolutely the best place to go get some well i tell you it would be dangerous it would be dangerous for your wife judy to come through shades of green right now because we have found some fun things uh, i know one thing that uh I look forward to seeing you or showing you is we found when we were up in oregon we actually traced down the source of uh some they're they're decorative but they're called water prisms they're leaded glass and they're beautiful as they are, but there's a little hole in the top where you put either distilled or deionized water in there. And the way oh. these things reflect and refract the light is uh, amazing. Oh, another cool. another fun thing we've gotten is, um, and I'm sure you find these at your better places up there too, but they're called solar lanterns, and they're made out yeah. of Tyvek, so they're totally waterproof. We and actually got one of those. We I, got one of those last time we were there. I couldn't remember if you had or not. Yeah, but, uh, yeah they're cool. They they really are cool. You have to remember to peel that little plastic off the off the solar collector so it can collect all it can. But it's just a beautiful nighttime glow out there in the garden, and there's just there's a lot of pretty stuff. I think, and I've got to reorder on the other thing that as far as tools, and I hope I gave you one. I don't remember if I did or not. This thing they call the Maxi Bit, which is the bit yeah, for that's, that's a neat neat tool. Really, is. yeah. A lot of people. And, and yeah, so many people look at these little auger-type things, but I tell you, an auger, if you hit a root or if you hit a rock, that will jerk the drill to the point it will make your wrist very uncomfortable. And I don't know what the, I don't know what the technology, there's something about the angle, something about the way they put the steel together in that max bit that uh, I've, I've hit plenty of roots, and it doesn't create that sudden uncomfortable torque. So... That's uh, that's still one of the top uh, real good tools. I'll put it up there next to the Hori Hori knife. The Hori Hori knife is so good for digging. And I guess the other thing, too, that a lot of people don't realize is if you've been organic for a while, you're going to have so many roots in that soil that you're not just cutting the soil. You're cutting the, the all the roots of all these things that have been in that bed when you're putting out new uh, annuals and things like that. And that's where something like your Hori Hori knife or like a good bit just makes it a whole lot easier to dig a small hole. 
Yeah, I noticed that here. It just every year it's a little bit harder to dig and get new stuff uh, planted. Well, as you can hear, my dogs uh, are, are wanting to have an end to the show here. They're attacking all those dangerous people and dogs that are walking by. Well, and nearly, nearly, I has started climbing trees again, and I've had to come up with a new design to keep her uh, off the uh, trunk of the tree. She's just. Uh, uh, an interesting dog, to say the least. Well, well listen, you got. I, I I don't know what next week's like. I don't know if we all have a show or not. But uh, Merry Christmas uh, to everybody. Happy holidays, well, everybody. I'll I'll be here next Saturday and Sunday both. If you're available, we'll look forward to talking then. And uh, in I the meantime, too, so. get out and spread some Christmas happiness <laughs> and try to counteract some of those Scrooges out there. But uh, Howard, it's always such a pleasure and appreciate so much the time. So. Uh, Give the dogs a pet and give Judy and Logan a hug for me, and I will look forward to talking to you next week. Have fun as always. Thank you so much. Okay. Goodbye. All right. We are back to gardening. We're going to talk to Jason and Bill, and then we'll kind of play it by ear about how much time we have left. Uh, Good morning, Jason. Uh, Good morning, Bob. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. How about you? I'm doing awesome. It's an absolutely gorgeous day. I'm, I'm lucky that I get to work outside. I am in total agreement with you on that score. Say, I heard you and uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Garrett talking about the mistletoe a moment ago, and, and I was actually going to call in today on that very uh, topic. Um, I have an old mesquite tree in my front yard that, that has seen much better days. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see where a, a large limb had split off of the trunk at one time in its past. Um, but it continues to have leaves every, you know, every year. It, it looks good when it's leafed out. But I noticed uh, that it does have a lot of mistletoe in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I heard you guys say something about uh, granulated molasses, maybe. Well, and and that is something that um, this is something that Howard especially has learned over time. In that when we reduce the stress on trees, the mistletoe seems to go away. I mean, mistletoe is is a sort of a different type of, para, of parasite. It doesn't really produce any too much negative effect on the tree because basically it's taking some salt, it's taking some water, but because it makes its own energy, generates its own energy and its own green leaves, it's not nearly as damaging a parasite as, you know, some other things could be. But the what we've learned is that it it tells you that the tree is in some kind of stress and when you eliminate that stress then the mistletoe just seems to go away. You, you'll never get rid of mistletoe breaking it out. I mean, it uh, its root system is called the hostorium, and it actually works its way into the cells of the tree. It never goes any deeper than when it started. But if you were to take one of these mistletoe burls and take a chainsaw and go through it, you could count back the number of annual rings, see where that mistletoe root structure, as it were, started, and you would know exactly how many years the mistletoe had been in the tree. So mistletoe is an interesting thing, but um, this, uh, this, this whole business about how if you reduce the stress it goes away i don't think we totally know exactly how that works but being sure that the root flare is exposed and when you put out dry molasses you're greatly increasing the microbial activity in the soil and this is 
benefiting, I'm sure, the, uh, you know, the root structure of the tree. And um, like I say, I don't think we really know how it works, but dry molasses and root flare exposure uh, are two things that really seem to improve the health of the tree. And you'll notice that because mistletoe just starts decreasing. Well, last weekend I did go out and uh, and kind of expose more of the root flare of the tree, um, so so maybe that will help. Um, if I, if I were to put some molasses out around it, um, how, how, you know what? How much would I use? I would, if you're using dry molasses, I would base it on the size of the you know basically of the tree and this is these are more questions i need to ask as to uh how far out over the roots do we go all the way out beyond the canopy but i'm going to say i probably would put out maybe half a pound of dry molasses for every inch of trunk diameter if that uh if that tree were 10 inches through i put out five pounds of dry molasses if it's 20 inches through i probably put out 10 pounds of dry molasses and uh, i would do that i probably repeat it in about six to eight weeks okay well it's about 20 inches through so i guess i'll give that a, a yeah. shot and, and you're right it, it obviously must be stressed because uh it's in a circular drive i yeah. making it sound sound much fancier than it is but uh all the other mesquites in that area none of them are affected with it so. uh well it's <laughs> again it's it's these little things that we sometimes kind of learn by accident and with the molasses um i'm sure liquid molasses you know, would give you good positive effects. Dry molasses is just so easy to use. And I think, uh, and, and granted, sometimes it is soaked into uh, a substrate that may benefit things as well. But if you had a gallon jug of uh, just good old agricultural molasses or any kind of molasses sitting around, I don't think there'd be anything at all wrong with using that as well. Right. Okay, one more question, if I may. Yes. Uh, I have a uh, an artichoke agave that was given to me, I think, last year okay. uh, as a housewarming gift, and I planted it, and I'm actually, I think I planted it a little too early. I'd like to maybe dig it up and do a little bit of scaping around it and then replant it. Is that something I can do without oh, absolutely. it, or should I let it grow some more? No, I would go ahead and do it. Uh, uh, I do it as soon as you can because, you know, obviously the more you let it grow, the more damage you're going to do the roots when you dig it. Uh, be aware that that particular agave may not be quite as cold hardy as some. So if we do experience that, you know, middle teens weather, which we occasionally get, you may want to, you may want to give it a little protection later in the winter. But I, at this point, I'd tell you the sooner, uh, you, you do your replanting, the better. Okay. Well, I will definitely keep that in mind because I, I look forward to seeing that uh, that flowering spike in hopefully about 18 to 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, and remember, it only blooms once, and then it dies. But when it does, it produces lots and lots of little agaves around, and then you can look forward to a whole uh, forest of spikes uh, another 15, 18 years later. Well, great. Thank you very much, Bob. I hope you, you have a Merry Christmas. You do the same, Jason. It's good to talk to you, and I appreciate the call. Right now, though, let's uh, get back, and I guess we'll probably finish up phone calls today with Bill. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Bob. I morning, know you sir. can't see me, but I've got the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don and I love it when, when we can do that for you. Well, that was great. Say, listen, I have a question about acorns. Okay. <clears throat> my live oak trees in my backyard are dropping acorns like crazy. I yeah. have never seen the, so many acorns. Is that something strange or something 
I should be worried about? No, it's absolutely not a sign of any problem. And I'll tell you, as you know, as as what makes sense to me about why this is happening. And if your live oaks are like mine, they're dropping more acorns than you've ever seen, but they're a little bit smaller than they frequently are. And of course, acorns are how a tree reproduces. And when a tree I don't want to give it uh, animate qualities, but when a tree senses chemically or whatever that it is threatened, that it may not survive, it tends to go into overdrive when it comes to making seed. And back at the time that the acorns were first forming on the tree, uh, we were in a very severe drought, and the trees, many trees, pecans and lots of other things, produced or started a a much bigger than normal crop of nuts uh kind of i guess and if if you could give a tree conscious thought the tree would be saying hey if i'm going to die i want to have plenty of seed out there for new trees to grow but then when we got into the late summer where there was a chance for these seeds be it pecans or acorns or walnuts or whatever to fill out we went into an extremely moist period and uh you know september and october were just as you well remember unbelievably wet and this allowed that huge number of acorns that had that had been set in the spring so to speak to go ahead and fill out and develop and they didn't have time to get up to the usual size we get some years but the combination of uh, little stress at the time the acorns were forming and then a lot of moisture at the time the acorns were maturing uh, I mean, this is, it's, if you're a hunter, it's going to be some of the best mast out there for the deer and the other critters out there. If you're like me, I'm just amazed at the possums, the coons, the foxes, uh, the deer, everything else that I see out gobbling up both pecans and acorns. So it's sort of a, a phenomenon related to weather. It's not really a cause to celebrate unless you're a squirrel but it's not a reason to be worried about anything it's just the tree uh, it was the ideal meteorological conditions i guess you might say uh to both set a very high number of acorns and then to fill a reasonable number of them out to the point uh they could drop well maybe i ought to just rake them up and sack them up and take them out to somebody that got some deer somewhere and feed well <laughs> you can do that or you can just let them lie on the driveway run over them with the car they are very high in protein not that many of them are actually going to germinate and cause you a weed problem or anything else but if you let them decompose they're putting a lot of good material back into the soil so uh don't put them out for the garbage man whatever you do but uh oh, no. whether you leave them in place or take them somewhere else they're they're going to be good for the for the soil as well as the animals